This is a broadcast of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Working Woman Radio Show, where we have real conversations about the unique issues working women face. I am your host, Deanna johnson Coffin. Before I introduce my guests and start today's discussion, I'd like to let my listening audience know that the Working Woman Radio Show is looking for sponsors for the podcast program. Advertising your business on the Working Woman Radio Show is a great way to build your brand and support meaningful programming. We have several different sponsorship packages available that can meet most any advertising budget. So if you're interested and you'd like more information about becoming a sponsor, go to www.theworkingwomanradiopodcast.com, click on the link for sponsorship, download the information, and give us a call. We'd be more than happy to help you. Now that I've taken care of that little bit of business, I want to introduce to you uh, my guest for today's show. Deborah Jackson is an experienced attorney, a committed community advocate, and a public servant. She served as mayor of Lithonia for eight years and worked to implement a community vision to improve the quality of life and establish the city as a leader in the region. She's currently a Democratic candidate for the U.S. Senate in the upcoming special election in November. Welcome to the Working Woman Radio Show, Deborah. It is a pleasure to have you here. It is my pleasure to be here. Terrific. Glad, glad to have you here. So I've got a lot of things I want to talk with you about, so let's just jump right in. Now, just a few minutes ago, I read a brief bio about your life and career, but can you tell my audience a little bit more about your journey into politics, how you got to be where you are today? Sure, thank you. I think that it stems from my commitment to serve. Mm. Um, my decision to become uh, an attorney had to do with the fact that I was really interested in focusing on serving those members of the community who did not have a voice. Mm -hmm. And so my first uh, job out of law school was to work for a legal services program down in Mississippi. Mm. And I must say that that was quite an experience. Oh, and sure. I went during a time um, in the late 70s when it was as if the civil rights movement had not happened. Oh my. And so that really you know, provided the groundwork in terms of seeing a need that was there and not just myself serving as an advocate for the community, but looking at ways of helping the community themselves to be empowered, sure. to see that they also had a voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, so I've had the opportunity to serve in a number of different positions. Um, I relocated um, to Georgia um, in 2000. Mm -hmm. And so after having years of experience working in a number of different areas, you know, sort of became uh, interested in looking at well, what can be done, you know, on a political side. Sure, sure. Wow. So that landed you here. And from there, you now, did you run for mayor right after you got here? I mean, when did when did that part of things come to be? Yeah, so actually, um, it's I started as a consultant to the city of Lithonia because okay. so we're sort of looking at the whole issue of how do you help um, communities improve? And, you sure. know, how do you make them strong and viable mm -hmm. and sustainable? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So you started out as a consultant and that segued into you having more interest in more, you know, being more involved on the political side of things. 
Yeah, exactly. So initially, after serving as a consultant to the city, um, I, when I actually moved into the city of Lithonia, because mm -hmm. like I said, when I moved to Georgia, I really wasn't that aware of the difference between incorporated mm -hmm. sure. and unincorporated. Sure, sure, that's right. You didn't know what all that meant. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so, yeah, so initially right. when I came, I was in unincorporated uh, DeKalb County and right. I decided, well, I understand cities, cities make sense. Right. So I decided to move into the city of Lithonia because mm -hmm. I've done some work with the community. Okay. I became the, uh, the city attorney mm -hmm. and then um, when the position opened up, um, you know, then I decided right. to offer myself um, initially, I ran for the city council. Right, right. And then after a couple of years, I decided to run for mayor. Okay, okay. So it was uh, a fairly organic yeah. process for you. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah, sounds like. Yeah, I mean, just kind of you naturally moved into the next thing, um, which is which is which is great. Um, now you talked about being mayor, uh, serving as mayor of Lithonia, Georgia. You served for two terms from January two thousand twelve to. Uh, 2020, and during that time, you initiated and led the col the collaborative effort with the private developer and downtown development authority, which resulted in redeveloping a distressed city property, and you turned that property into a 12 million dollar affordable housing project. Can you tell us more about how you were able to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. It really was part of a community uh, process. Mm -hmm. So as I I mentioned um, when I worked as a consultant with the city, and that was back in 2003, mm -hmm. um, I helped them to secure a grant from the Atlanta Regional Commission mm -hmm. to do a study of, you know, what we would like to see the right. city become. Right. And so that really sort of laid the groundwork. All right. Um, and then once I became um, a member of the, the city council, mm -hmm. uh, we worked with the Georgia Conservancy in uh, 2011 mm -hmm. to develop um, what's known as a blueprints for successful communities. Okay. And then when I became the mayor in 2012, mm -hmm. we actually participated in the Georgia Initiative for Community Housing, known as GIT, right. to get technical assistance right. um, in terms of developing a housing strategy. Mm -hmm. And it was really the combination of all of those things that made us um, a good partner mm -hmm. for the developer because they would get sure. extra points for sure. working with the GIT community. Mm -hmm. So it really was a, um, a process over a period of time. So when we started in mm -hmm. 2003, mm -hmm. uh, we had no idea how long it would take. Um, right. You told me as a consultant that, oh, it's going right. to take about 10 years. Wow. Years. Yes. I was getting ready to say. Yeah. Because that was yeah. quite a process. It was quite a process. And so, you know, it was, yeah. you know, so there were some starts and fits because, you know, there was changes in leadership, mm -hmm. um, you know, throughout that time. But mm -hmm. I just think sort of continuing to work in the background, mm -hmm. working with the community, you know, and I really right. made a commitment to the community that the plan that we did in 2003 mm -hmm. was not just going to be another plan that sat on the shelf. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, and, but, and so it was, you were able to see this thing before you exited as mayor come to life come to yeah. fruition yeah. that had to be very satisfying for you yeah, yeah very satisfying and very um 
Mm-hmm. Thrilling to know that because again, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. you know just my idea, but it right. was through a collaborative process right, right. with the community. Absolutely, and that's that's something that um, that word collaborativeness is something we're gonna I want to zone in more later on because I think that that's a real key to making a difference on the on the local level, at the state level, and of course at the national level. So we'll talk a little bit more about that word and 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 in, in, in a little bit, but I mm-hmm. want to talk. I want to talk more about this pandemic. I mean, it's something that's on all of our minds. I don't know how it couldn't be. We're all dealing with this in one way or another. Um, So we're in the middle of this thing. And as a result, not only do we have a public health crisis, but many Americans are experiencing an economic crisis. Not everybody's, you know, is um, dead in the water as far as their, you know, their personal finances are concerned. But a lot of people have been severely affected by this. Um, You know, people have lost hours from work. Some people have been furloughed. I talked to a young woman yesterday who said she applied for unemployment. She got one check and she ain't seen nothing in a a month. Um, And they, you know, her and her husband, they need that money. Um, And so although businesses are planning to open, some businesses are planning to reopen, our governor has, you know, um, given the word about that. Um, The economy is is in a mess and people need help. As the former mayor of Lithonia and somebody that's running for the Senate, what measures do you think we need to take to get Georgia back on track? Yeah, I think um, despite the tremendous um, impact that the pandemic is having, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, not only on our health, mm-hmm. but also on our economy. Mm-hmm. I think it really provides an opportunity to look at how do we recreate the economy mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. forward, wow. as well as increasing access um, to health care. Sure. You know, because prior to the pandemic, you know, the, com- the economy was booming mm-hmm. for some, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we saw that there was a tremendous gap growing between wealth and equality. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And so it's really not just, you know, going back to what we had before, Mm. but looking at how do we do something differently. And if we look at what's happening, so what's happening, the pandemic is not just affecting the United States, it's affecting the whole world. Right, right. And so, and we see in many of the, um, the European countries, there's not the same type of um, dislocation of workers sure. that's taking place that mm-hmm. we see here in the United States. Wow. And wow. so, you know, while the governor is concerned about people and, you know, the small businesses mm-hmm. being able to have access um, mm-hmm. to some income, you know, it has to be done in a way that is safe Definitely. for people. And unfortunately, I mean, I do not believe that by tomorrow uh-uh. we will be oh, no. in that situation mm-hmm. and particularly the types of businesses that he's yes, talking about exactly. when we open exactly businesses <laughs> where you have to actually be up on people and touching them yeah there's no social distancing <laughs> massage that no. I'm aware of. I'm <laughs> trying right. to imagine what that might be I like. know that's weird <laughs> yeah 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 and or hair or getting your hair done by a hairdresser right. or getting yeah. tattoos yeah, right yeah. exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah, yeah. So, so we yeah, have so, to find so, now you mentioned something interesting you said you know in Europe there although they of course have been affected by this pandemic too there isn't as there isn't the same kind of j- displacement 
um, as far as work is concerned. And so it would be, you said, look, going forward, we may need to look at a different model, a different way. And I do think that there is wisdom in those words because um, they obviously are doing something different and maybe even better than what we've been doing here in the States as far mm -hmm. as jobs and the, and the economy is concerned. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah, no, so I know you're the U.S., you know, we like to focus on the rugged individualism yes. uh, concept, uh, but, you know, and it has served some people well, but, you know, there's so many people that are, are hurting. Yeah. So we have to, you know, let's find mm -hmm. a different, I mean, we want to have a different result yeah, yes. at the end of this. Right. And so that could be the silver lining in this in this horrible cloud. Um, that we looked, that it, it it forces us, hopefully, to look for something different, something better, and not just to go back to business as usual. Because business as usual hasn't worked for a lot of people. Um, it has not. That's right. Now, you mentioned, we talked about, I mean, in, in continuing to talk about this pandemic, um, uh, I want to focus a little bit on the... Um, on the health, public health crisis. Dr. Fauci, in a recent um, conference, uh, Dr. Fauci, just so everybody knows, is the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and he's a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. He said that the coronavirus, and this is a quote, is shining a bright light on unacceptable health disparities for African Americans. Um, my question to you is, do you think that that's true? And if so, what kinds of policies do we need to be putting in place to bridge this gap and to lessen the disparities? Yeah, Dr. Fauci is absolutely correct yes. in terms of um, his comment. You know, but, but the unfortunate reality is that, you know, those disparities existed yes. before the pandemic. Of course, yes, right. You know, right. and so... Um, and so I think people were aware that there were some disparities, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, the pandemic, because people are still to a certain extent, mm -hmm. um, there's much broader attention sure. that's being um, mm -hmm. brought to this situation. Sure. And so the disparity, you know, is so health is, um, I think, a mm -hmm. primary issue, mm -hmm. but it's also can't be looked at in isolation. And so it deals with the issue of um, mm -hmm. housing, sure. employment, okay. you know, as yeah. well as um, incarceration in terms of how the criminal right. justice system right. has been um, operating mm -hmm. to really negatively impact mm -hmm. the stability right. of um, communities. Right, 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 right. So all of that has to be taken into consideration. Exactly. Yeah, it's not exactly. an isolated, uh, you can't deal with this problem in isolation, I, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's all connected. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so yeah. if you, yeah. Yeah. if your healthcare, and so that really, I think the situation really establishes the case yes. for some form of universal healthcare. Yeah. Yes. So, so the people, if they get sick, should not have to worry about right. mm -hmm. whether they can get the care that mm -hmm. is needed. Exactly. You know, I was taking a walk the other day, and I, I walk regularly, sometimes in my neighborhood, sometimes you know, at a park or something, but I chose to stay close to home. So I was walking in the neighborhood and I was um, um, on the other side of um, Pine, uh, Peachcrest, walking on the other side of Pine Hill Drive. Anyway, there was a young woman sitting in a, outside in her driveway in the carport with a little baby. Um, and so I walked, I just waved and said, hey, and I just figured she would say hey or say nothing. I didn't know what she was gonna do. Anyway, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. she, um, she said, do you walk? And I said, uh, yeah. 
and she says, uh, why do you walk? And I said, um, it just makes me feel good. It helps me, you know, maintain my weight. Well, maybe not maintain, but lose. I don't want to maintain. Uh, and so, and, and it's really just good for my mind. And she said, um, so we got to talking. I had never met her before. And then okay. uh, she said, um, so um, are you worried about this pandemic? And so... Uh, I said, well, yeah, I'm very concerned. And she said, um, I'm pretty scared myself. And I said, I understand. I mean, it's a scary time. She said, you know, and even if I felt like I had something, I couldn't go to the doctor. And I just thought, oh. Uh, and so I felt, I just, it was that just, I, I fin and we, you know, we exchanged phone numbers because she's a neighbor. I didn't, I'd never met her before, but, um, but I told her, you know, give me a call anytime. And, uh, and so I went on my walk, but that just, um, that just permeated my thoughts the entire day that this okay. young woman was, she, she just thought, you know, I can't go to the doctor. And that obviously was on her mind. I mean, I was a perfect stranger. I don't even know. I mean, you know, she, she reached out and talked to me in her driveway. But I just thought, I wonder how many people in our communities feel like they can't go to the doctor because they just don't have the health care and how that's affected us specifically during this pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that should not be mm -mm. the situation on top mm -mm. of everything else on to have that anxiety yes, yes. of um, if something happens to me, you know, what can I do? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So all of those, so multiple things need to be addressed in order to bridge the gap and lessen the disparities, it sounds like. Absolutely. Uh, let's Absolutely. talk a little bit um, about some of the women who are currently in politics. When you look over the political landscape, who do you see? making a difference at the local levels, at the state levels, and then finally at the national level? Yeah, that was an interesting uh, question. When I sort of look at it, mm -hmm. um, so like, so for example, here in Georgia, mm -hmm. um, two people, you know, sort of come to mind, mm -hmm. particularly in terms of how they have been dealing with this current situation. Because mm -hmm. I think the pandemic really is a sign of who yes. makes a good leader. Definitely. Le leadership is really important. Definitely. And so I would say um, that Mayor Akish Lancet Bottoms mm -hmm. of um, Atlanta, mm -hmm. as well as Felicia Moore, who's president of the Atlanta City Council. Wow. Um, wow. So, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, just Definitely. kind of listening, yeah, listening to the positions and things that they mm -hmm. have been taking. And so sure. even though Mayor Bottoms mm -hmm. was on the governor's um you know, yeah, task force, force to yes. deal with the pandemic. Yes. You know, the fact that he made the decision to reopen yes. without consulting any of the Definitely. mayors or members of the task force, Definitely. you know, really yeah. raises the question, you know, what was the thinking behind that and why have a task force exactly. to provide advice? Yes, exactly right. And she spoke to that very clearly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so definitely um, um, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. And then you mentioned, uh, uh, what was the other name? It, yeah, Felicia Moore, who's okay. president of the Atlanta okay. City Council. Okay, I'll mm -hmm. have to look her up because I'm, I'm not as familiar. I've, I've heard the name, but I, I don't know a whole, whole lot about it. But it sounds right. interesting to look up. Now, yeah. what about on the, on the state level? Yeah, so on the state level, I would say um, probably the the current chair of the um, the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. uh, Nakima Williams. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Who's also, um, you know... Mm -hmm. A, a member of the Georgia General Assembly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then on the national level, yes, I would say that um, you know the former candidate for governor Stacey Abrams. Oh yes, and, yes, and the work that she has been doing, particularly around mm -hmm. voter rights and voter definitely, protection, definitely. Um, yeah, so in terms work. of her fair fight, um, yes, organization that spread 
beyond Georgia to about 20 states that wow. she's working with. Wow, that's massive. And, I didn't realize that. That's yeah, great. And, so, and then the other, the two other people, I would say, uh, Karen, um, Congresswoman Karen Bass, mm -hmm. who's the head of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, from California, and um, mm -hmm. Representative uh, Val Demings okay. uh, from Florida, wow. who was on the... Um, one of the impeachment managers. Is that right? Yes. Oh, wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. So these are women that are making a difference. And I think that that's encouraging um, that these women are are in the fight to, um, to better America, not just their own communities, but um, the nation as a whole. Um, right. and, I'm, and, and that's encouraging because that is not, I mean, we've not always had that opportunity to be a part of things at this level. And so I'm encouraged by that. Although I do think we still have a ways to go. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now with um, making policies at the national level, uh, just speaking about the whole women thing, um, it's traditionally been a dogfight that's been fought by men. And with the current White House administration, with this pandemic, and with our political leaders being so divided along uh, party lines, the fight has actually gotten meaner and it's gotten uglier. What kinds of qualities and skills do women policymakers like the ones you just mentioned and like yourself need to possess in order to fight and win for their constituents in the political arena? Yeah, I would say first and foremost um, that you have to have integrity. Okay. Yes. And so, and that, that you're willing to speak truth to power. Definitely. Yeah, uh, even when it's not uh, comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, because of the current situation that we're in, people need to hear the truth. Definitely. As difficult as it may maybe? be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, looking at ways of, you know, also, you know, providing mm -hmm. some hope and inspiration, right. but it has to be based on what is really true. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we talk about reaching across the aisle, and I think that that is an important thing for political leaders to do, but you, but you can't do that uh, and compromise. Um, you, you, I mean, you can only reach across the aisle, like, like you were saying, is um, in truth. You know, hmm. um, and so I, I, I think there needs to be more reaching across the aisle. But I also agree that I guess if there's fundamental differences, you just gotta hold, hold your um, position until truth yeah. prevails. Yeah. yeah, and I think, and and so there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, reaching a compromise because not everyone always wins no. their position no. completely. Right. Of course. And so, but it really is about, you know. Make, being able to make a compromise, mm -hmm. but without compromising your basic principles. Exactly. Wow. And that's a that's a you know a tightrope there. You know, it, it a tightrope to walk. Um, so so yeah, very good, very good. Um, so now, based on um, recent voter turnout over these past few elections, um, you know, the reports have showed that a lot of citizens are still pretty apathetic. Um, they don't feel like their vote really makes a difference. What do you say to those people? I say that your vote absolutely makes a difference. Okay. I mean, the fact that um, we have, um, you know, someone like Donald Trump at this point mm -hmm. in the White House mm -hmm. um, 
who really is advocating his responsibility mm -hmm. to lead, to address this crisis that the country mm -hmm. is in, mm -hmm. shows that voting does make a difference. Yes, you know, we know that in the 2016 election, mm -hmm. a lot of people decided not to vote um, because they didn't think it was right. possible that someone you know like him would get elected, right, right. and yet here we are. Yep, he got elected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so sometimes you know, I, you know, when we participate in the voting process, but so but so it's not just a question of voting, right. but also being informed Definitely. voters. Definitely, and so that it, we have to really pay attention to mm -hmm. the type of people we put into office, mm -hmm. and it, and it can't be just based on mm -hmm. uh, popularity. Definitely. That, that people need to have a mm -hmm. level of competency to get the job done. That's and I say, right. particularly in this period, mm -hmm. the 2020 election is going to be more crucial than ever before. Wow. Because the future really depends on it. Wow, wow. Now, you talked about being an informed voter. I, I want to make sure I don't miss and that my listeners don't miss that point. How, what are some ways that you, I mean, we have the internet, so information is out there all day long, every day. Um, but can you zero in on some specific ways people can learn about the candidate um, and become an informed voter? Yeah, so for example, you have organizations like the um, the League of Women Voters, okay. who historically, you know, have done a good job right. in terms of, you know, providing some background mm -hmm. uh, information about the various candidates that are, you know, offering themselves for uh, mm -hmm. service, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's done in a nonpartisan way. Sure. Um, sure. You know, so it, it tends to be objective. Right. And right. there are other, you know, community groups that, you know, also do some research and particularly people who have served before, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. have information about, you know, what mm -hmm. has been the um, mm -hmm. record sure, of sure. people who, you know, have served either in the position that they're running for mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. uh, previously to give you some idea. Mm -hmm. Because generally, people show you who they are, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you just have to believe it. You know, right, so right, if, right, right. if there were people, you know, who never really served in the community in sure. any kind of capacity, mm -hmm. um, you know, what makes them going to be different exactly. as an elected official? That's exactly right. Yeah, there's nothing magic about that. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you know, in some other general, um, to get other, to get more general information, also because I think that people lack basic general knowledge about the voting process, about, you know, um, ballots and all that kind of thing. There, Georgia, I mean, every state has its, um, its website that you could go to for voting. Uh, and for basic voting information for who the where the candidates who the candidates are in the race and you know from there uh, I'm sure there are links to each of each of the candidates websites and that kind of thing so I'll make that available on the show page for this episode so that people if they want to um, they can look up what you know information that they need before the mm -hmm. election you know before the election mm -hmm. in November yeah, um, yeah absolutely mm -hmm, and to become informed voters. Well, Deborah, our time together is just about up. I, I really want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on the show. I think that the information and the wisdom you shared is, is going to be valuable to our listeners. Um, to my listeners, if you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to subscribe and download episodes of the show by going to www.theworkingwomanradiopodcast.com. You can also find us by visiting the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network and 
click on the Working Woman Radio Show page. For more information about upcoming podcasts and Working Woman Radio Show events, you can also you can go to the Working Woman Radio Show Facebook page and become a friend. Share your comments, share your questions. Um, I want to hear from you, so please, please let us know what you're thinking. God bless, and we will see you next time on the Working Woman.